Hello, my friends, and welcome to the ninth episode of Armor Party. I am your host, Mike Forster, bringing you even more conversations about the costumes and costumers across the saga of Star Wars. Our latest episode talks with one of my favorite makers. We learn new techniques, discover the meaning behind his social media tag, and find out that electronics may not be all that difficult to start incorporating into our builds. If you're a detail person, this will be an episode you will absolutely love. Thank you to everyone who's been tagging us as they listen, as they're building. We are so stoked to see the incredible work being done right now. Keep it up. Your local convention and Halloween is right around the corner. You got this. Use this show as your motivation to keep making. But for now, let's start the show. A creative of many talents, my next guest is truly someone who embraces the visuals. His armor builds are ready for action, his weathering details rival the works of Hollywood, and his photo editing makes you think that this costumer has been through the Clone Wars and back. Though you'd expect to find him on the planet Camino, he joins us from the Bay Area of California, known online as the Odd Viking. We put down our blasters, bust open our paint cans, and get into the details with Colin Adams. Colin, Welcome to the Armor Party. Oh, it's excellent to be here. I love this show. Well, that's great, because you're on it now. <laughs> yeah, I'm on it. All those <laughs> legends. That's it. That's it. Well, Colin, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of your work. I think as I was kind of growing my my Star Wars fandom and connecting with other costumers, your stuff just really stood out to me as as really well done. And also, uniquely so, I've loved your ability to be able to take what I would consider to be the least exciting part of Star Wars props and going for it and making everything that you do feel like it's part of the Star Wars universe, the bins, the, you know, the helmet cases, everything that I, you know, I, I show up to a, a troop and everyone's just got the same black Husky case that, you know, they're toting around their uh, costume in. And then I look at yours and I'm like, that thing, like that represents your armor in there. I'm like that, that's amazing. It's incredible. Um, so you're a, you're a multifaceted artist. Uh, obviously both with, with physical mediums and digital too. So what is your background, Colin, as, as a creative? Well, I, uh, I, I went to school for illustration and I was a freelance illustrator for over a decade. Um, and then I sort of shifted over to the marketing side and became more of a graphic designer. Um, and the whole time I've been <laughs> building things in lots of different genres. I've always had that group of friends where I made all four of our Halloween costumes, spent a month and awesome. a half leading up to it and just would win some costume contests somewhere. That was like our, <laughs> our thing. So I've always loved building and making and trying to push things past the level where people expect to see it on the street. Sure. I love that. So your day job right now is, are you still freelancing or are you oh, work, you work for an agency or what, what's your, your background now? I work in um, social mobile games and I'm a, a marketing art director. 
Awesome. That's cool. So you're, you're, you're very used to the idea that creativity takes a lot of work and that, you know, this is not something you certainly pick up overnight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so tell me a little bit, Colin, about your, I'd love to know your Star Wars story, especially because when I, I meet older customers, I had Hunter Smoke on and Hunter's out of college of all of like six months and he's 22. And it was really interesting hearing his love of clones, but, but he grew up with that. And so when I meet older customers like myself, you tend to find that some people find specific costumes and, and there's certain characters that they connect with. And I always find it fascinating to find what about, you know, what, what is your star Wars? Like, what is your thing that, that really for you made you feel like this franchise has got me and I will follow where this franchise and these films and this saga, wherever it goes, like, what was that for? I, I grew up with star Wars. As you said, I actually grew up literally exactly with star Wars because I was born the day a new hope came out. Awesome. So uh, I kind of have always loved it. It's been a thing. I didn't even realize that until I was a teenager and suddenly saw the back of an art of Return of the Jedi book or something. And I was like, wait a minute, that was that's strange, because that one also came out on my birthday. So I, uh, I've I love the lightsabers. I love the 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 whole world. I think my dad was a sci-fi nerd, and he loved stuff like Star Trek. But Star Trek was so clean, and Star Wars looked so lived in and real. And it was right. all the shades of gray in between. And Han Solo was a scoundrel and a hero, and everything in there just felt like it resembled the world I lived in. Yet it was totally fantastical. And there was, you know, magic, but it was mostly technology, and just it—it it felt like a world I could live in. And so, as a kid, I was running around like every other one with a, you know, a stick or wrapping paper tube, being the lightsaber, and because uh, everybody starts wanting to be a Jedi, and later I. I always wanted to have armor, but it didn't seem like a possibility. And then I was at, I think maybe this was early on in the days, probably before the legions even, I remember going to a convention and seeing six or eight stormtroopers, and I didn't think that was possible. I was like, where did they right. get these? How, how, are, how are there stormtroopers in my town? This doesn't make any sense. And right. I went to a, like a film when the re-releases came out in the late 90s. I went to opening night for every single one to see the special editions. And at one of the opening nights at kind of a bigger movie theater, like when we were walking towards the theater to get in line, a guy stood up from the crowd in a Tuscan Raider outfit and did the... Yeah, like holding yeah. the gaffy stick up. And I thought like, how does he have that? How, where, who has right, a right. Tuscan Raider costume? And so that just blew my mind. Um, that one day I might be able to make something like that that looked just like it was in the movie. So at what point are you in your in your life where you you kind of start getting into the physical realm of of creativity and and I I have to ask everyone's at what point did you decide I think I'm going to spend thousands of dollars on building a costume. Like, what was that for you? Do you do you remember that that I moment do. where you said, "Okay, I ha- I have a connection. I I I finally figured out this. I'm now wrapping my head around it. It's not that much of a mystery anymore." What was that moment for you? I did it slowly. Um, I so what it was the the real awakening for me was not the Force Awakens, but that was a really good start. I had a um a fortieth birthday, and I realized my whole life. I'd never had a Star Wars birthday party. And I turned 40 on the day that Star Wars turned 40. And I thought, you know what? I'm right. having a Star Wars party. My wife, deep eye roll, but she was like, 
I guess if you want to have, and I'm like, I'm going to have a Death Star pinata, and I'm going to have all the party favors, and I'm going to have my friends come in costume, and we're doing the works. And like, she was like, all right, whatever you want to do. And I made all the kind of parody foods. We had like Wookiee cookies and you awesome. know, seven Leia dip and stuff like it, just the whole thing. And, uh, and I just like loved it. And friends borrowed costumes from other friends. And like, I started making piecemealing one together. And during the lead up to it, I said, honey, I think I'm going to buy a Stormtrooper armor. And she was like, how much does that cost? And I'm like, like $800, I think, you know. It's it's a small it's not price for, etern- for eternal glory. No, right. Yeah, exactly. it was double it's, that. It's, but... it's, it's double yeah. that. Um, and she right. said, there's no way you can do this. You can never buy Stormtrooper armor. And I'm like, okay, okay. You know, I got backed off. It seemed like a, a deal breaker. So I made an Endor helmet and I kind of got like a Cassian Andor jacket and I made like Han Solo pants with the stripes and I had boots and a Ray blaster. I was just kind of a spacer and I loved it. Yeah. And I went to a, a convention soon after dressed like that and I found some of the Legion tables and I was talking with them and geeking out for far too long and they're really nice. And one of the guys said, you know, you have like a really good Endor helmet, and then you have really good Han Solo pants, and you have a good blaster, but, like, you, you should make one of these costumes. Like, put it together sure. and finish it. And yeah. for me, um, you know, Han Solo doesn't have a beard, and I have one. So I, I started looking at all the costumes. I always liked the kind of grunts, and so my first costume was that Endor Rebel Trooper, those guys, you know, in the in the Redwood Forest, um, which it looks like a lot of where I live, and so I thought I could wear that costume, and it would be really great. So I dove into that that simpler costume in retrospect, and that was my gateway. Yeah, the bunker crashers. the The scout turns around, and he's just surrounded. You're like, oh man, like those guys were sneaky. And that was kind of like our like, you know, our guerrilla warfare uh, moment for Return of the Jedi. I think that's awesome. Is I, I want to ask you too. Do you remember what time, what what year this was roughly that that you kind of got started with all this? 2017. Because I was approved okay. with that indoor trooper in October of 2017. So I built the two-box pack just because it's the hard pack. Most of them have a soft one, and there's one with all these tubes and things, like the snow troopers, the hot troopers have. And because it was just the hardest thing. I just love the challenge. Sure. And it involved sewing a, two perfect rectangular boxes around a bunch of greeblies, and it was perfect. It was just, yeah. you know, I didn't want to do the basic. I wanted to do the extra hard version. Yeah, and... It's something that I want to ask you too, because I feel like for older fans that either, you know, we were kind of in a weird time with Star Wars because I think people often forget what uh, kind of a void there was going on when Lucas was, you know, the Clone Wars was kind of the only thing that was coming out and they were trying to shop it around to different networks and people were going, ah, you know, like you've re-released the original trilogy a couple of times and like the prequels had finished coming out in 2005 and, you know, two obviously different critic. Yeah, some people were very critical. Some people thought it was lame. There's just a lot of, I think The Force Awakens really turned people back into, it almost like unlocked something for them. As and then we're adults at this point. When we saw yeah. that trailer, it almost like unlocked this inner child of us that said, Star Wars is awesome again, but now I have like adult money and I have adult time and patience and I have a garage with tools in it. And suddenly it became less. I want to say, and you were more confident in yourself. You know, I could I could only imagine being at college 
in today's age and going, yeah, I dress up as a Star Wars costume. And people would be like, you do what? Versus now, I'm always on a crusade to be like, be yourself. Do whatever you want. As long as it doesn't harm anybody. You know, what do we do? We put costumes on and we go and make people happy. Like I can think of a thousand hobbies that are way worse than that. So was was Force Awakens something 2017? Like is it were you kind of caught in that in that that wave of of nostalgia overload and kind yeah. of reigniting your Star Wars spark? It absolutely did. I mean it, it I had a group of friends at the time we were playing uh, D&D type role playing games like every sure. week. It was we met every week. It was like our poker night or what have you. Um, and we would just um, talk about it when it was coming out because all of us were Star Wars nerds. We would played like Star Wars role playing games just because we wanted to be in that world a little bit more. And so we all yeah. went on opening night and it was such a big thing. And just the lead up to it showing there was like a, a kind of behind the scenes video that came, you know, a few months before the movie released and it showed like real sets and there's like JJ just sitting next to a big like Star Destroyer wall and he's just talking yeah. and they just showed how like practical effects and like that so much of it was real and it just felt like, yeah, that, that's what I was missing. The prequels I loved at the time to a fault. Like I saw episode one probably eight times in the theater and I just convinced myself like, I love this. This is amazing. But it did yeah. have some CG that was like, in retrospect, doesn't look as great, but there wasn't sure. a problem in The Force Awakens. It just had that gritty, dirty, like I was like, whoever's making this movie gets it. Like they yeah. love the the look and the feel and how it should, you know, like Ray was a scavenger and she was dirty and right. the whole opening thing just, I was in love. I was in love with that yeah. whole movie. Yeah, her theme and the the old X wing pilot that you know the oh, blast shield love, had yeah, been. You couldn't out see three. Yeah, just... and then and then you find out that she's you know she's in this this shell of a of a walker, and yeah. you're like, oh man, the, the, everything about this I love. Uh, so I, I'm totally with you on that. So I want to get in a little bit about as I said kind of earlier, Colin. I really fell in love with your builds are fantastic. Of course, I think though the thing that really stood out to me that was kind of my like scroll stopper that's what i call anybody who i'm like wait a minute i gotta check this this person's feet out was really your you're just like i said that that application of taking weathering painting and applying it to every aspect of what it takes to be a stormtrooper and i think you had done a husky bin or something like that yeah that was done so well and i and i it made my mind just wander because i went oh i absolutely have to do that now so is that was that did that originally start as a well I've got extra paint left over and I want to you know <laughs> I, 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 I got to use it you know like what 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 made you kind of say I, I want to go for it I want to start doing this and, and the helmet the helmet cases and all that because you're you're putting lights in you're doing all this incredible stuff so what was that how do you get started doing that well the um I mean the the impetus for it I think came from I was got stopped scrolling one time seeing that a shore trooper actually had painted his husky bin the colors of its shore with the stripes of blue and one little red box and i'm like oh that's a great idea because then when you roll those bins at the troop like you can see which one's yours far away yeah. or if you see yeah. that guy walking up you know what he's about to put on and i thought sure. i'll do that whenever i make like some kind of thing and i did it for my indoor trooper the first time learned some lessons about washing that bin because you got to wash they like most cast things they have like a mold releaser on plastic right. bins and so you got to wash them with soap and water in the shower or something just to, to get it off because that one flaked all over i made a replacement later but for me um especially with 
Legion level costumes where you're trying to be super movie accurate. Um, they're at varying degrees. Like Jedi are a lot kind of more forgiving in a way because it's kind of a generic outfit. But when you're getting to right. that stormtrooper where they're like, it's a 10 millimeters from the edge. It's this kind of split rivet. And I love that yeah. stuff. It's such an easy build to follow because so many people have come before you and found the tricks and the reference. Um, I go through that build and I build that whole thing and I can't really have fun, especially with a stormtrooper. I can't even weather it. It's got to be glossy and white and reflective. Right, and that's that right. costume. But the bin, I can do whatever I want. It's like dessert after the build. <laughs> sure. I can like really explore it. I can take greeblies I found and just use them, which you can't do on most costumes because you have to find the exact greebly that they did or cast one or right. get a, right. a, a print or something. And the bins are just where I get to have fun, and and my stormtrooper bin is weathered, even though the stormtrooper inside is not, because I can just like really enjoy and have fun, and I made little light panels. So I've right. just decided I'm going to do it with every single costume. It just I love. I it. love and then that. I roll up to a bin, especially if you're like rolling up to a hospital, and they see the oh the stormtrooper guys are here, like they see that bin and they they already know <laughs> that you're a Star Wars guy. I, I know what this is. <laughs> right. Well, I've always, the funny part for me is I, I live in Northern Michigan and, you know, we're, we're a uh, very hunter friendly place, but you know, I have, uh, I, I just sold my, my sand trooper and I had a DLT 19, the big British MG 34 machine gun. And I always felt really awkward walking around with that without a case. And so I thought, well, I'll put it in a case. And then I realized it just makes it look even more awkward because this guy's bringing this giant black case in with this giant gun case in. Um, and and I, I, I think that's a great idea to say, yeah, rather than all of us walking in with these giant black cases, if we have fun with the case and put insignia on it and let people know that, whoa, I could tell there's something really cool in there. I think that's a phenomenal idea. So kudos to you. I, I, I absolutely love especially the i think it's your is it the greedo or no you have a um, oh, the rodian the, the, yeah it's a rodian the, yeah, jedi the ro- yeah yeah the rodian jedi so the the case you built that beautiful case for the for the latex and the mask to sit in yeah what was that like what is what is the base of the, that the base that is jug? Um, a really common thing you see but it, the I put it together before I realized where I'd seen it before, but they're like a white water container for like farms with a red lid that screws off. And they come in a bunch of sizes. I think mine is a 35-gallon one. But they also are everywhere in The Force Awakens and at Batu. They use those same like cylindrical jugs with the same yeah. ridged lid. So it's so in-universe. It, it just looked like a uh, knobbly, kind of like the husky bins. Their detailing looks sure. good in Star Wars. It just has those kind of angles and things. Um, and that bin, it was tricky to paint, but it really came out of necessity. I looked for months to find something that would work because the Rodian has these forearm length um, gloves and really long fingers. They're a little too long. They're right. very hard to use, but some Rodians have long fingers. So I had to yeah. have something that was like almost two feet tall and then it had to fit this Rodian that has a mohawk and a pointy face. And I was just trying to, I have to, if I do a box, it's going to be gigantic. So I need a sure, cylinder, sure. a cylinder where the arms can go on either side of the head. And I finally found that thing, but it was about eight inches, inches too tall. So I cut out the door and then cut it in half and lowered the top down and then painted it and then, so the door overlapped the opening now because it was taller right. and it just worked out like everything it's polyethylene plastic which resists paint and primer it's a real it, i put epoxy to glue that top on and it just popped off it doesn't stick to that plastic it's like drinking grade plastic like a pet's water you know like a hamster yeah. bottle and those it's like all sure. those kind of plastic they're meant to resist chemicals including paint 
right. So it was so tricky. how did how, what what did you end up what did you end up doing? Uh, I looked it up. A lot of some sanding. Some and... Farmers have done this, you know, painted those things. And what you do is you um, lightly sand it all, which is everybody's favorite. You know, get used to sure. sanding if you want to build props. You shouldn't. That's right. <laughs> shouldn't deter you there. And then you clean it with really strong, like uh, rubbing alcohol, ninety one percent, and wipe it wow. all down. And then prime it with a plastic primer. And there's um, that fusion Krylon fusion plastic primer specifically mentions may not work on polyethylene like kid furniture you know like those slides people have in their backyards but you can use it it has a picture of it on the label so it's meant to bond with it and then um then do the once i had that primer on um there's a test you do where you score like a checkerboard you know like a grid of like four by four lines and put a piece of duct tape on it, burnish it on, and pull it. And if a bunch of squares come off, you got to do it again. And if the squares stick, oh, wow. then it's bonded, and it bonded the first time. So I was I, I lucked out or prepped enough or sanded enough to make it work. And years later, it's still looking great. That's awesome. Well, I've got to say, you are probably one of my favorite weatherers. <laughs> Your weathering technique is fantastic. And it's one of those things where I think it's any, I think that's something we all love about Star Wars is exactly like you said, of something that you fell in love with. And I think probably for most of us, it was the cantina scene, walking in and feeling like you were witnessing a dive bar in the crappiest corner of the galaxy. And the, everybody there was bad news. And the bartender and, you know, then you've got, you know, Mama on a and you've got all these, these just characters, right? And everything's dirty and dingy and, and it really made you feel like, cause then there was that stark difference of, of the very clean when we first see the Tantive and, and yeah, that's right. clean and white, white, right? Yeah. And so there was such a big difference, but then when you get to meet Luke and you first see the, you know, the captured R2 and C-3PO in this essentially like a, you know, basement of of the Sandcrawler. You really got the sense that this world was was designed, that there were, you know, there were people that flew in space and there were people that were down here on on crappy parts of the planet. Like, oh, I don't know, the humans that were watching this movie. Yeah. And. I love seeing weathering and I think for everyone, and like you said, there's all, you know, the stormtroopers are the most popular costume in the Legion. And ironically, they're the most copy and pasted of all of the, you know, they're not really designed for personality. Um, and, and so I love when you finally get to weather something because you get to have fun seeing how paint works and the different applications and stuff. So I, I have to say that you are one of my favorite weatherers, weather weathering painters that I follow on on Instagram uh, and I follow within this community. So is there is there like tips and tricks that you can share with people who are listening to this uh, to maybe take weathering more than just your standard black washes? I've seen a couple people who have been able to replicate rust and do all that stuff. You're one of those people. Is there like, you know, was there a uh, trial and error was there something you know were you mixing sand or were you mixing you know fuller's earth into stuff like what what is your no, it's, it's a lot simpler but i you know i think i actually recorded some tutorials um a month ago because i was making some new clone armor and i thought i've always i've tried to take photos of the process and it doesn't really show how much i actually make mistakes and wipe it back and make mistakes and sure. wipe it back it's part of the thing it layers up in a beautiful way and i right. want people to understand it's not something i just dab on and it's done um, but yeah. also, I recorded a first video because it seemed like it deserved its own part, which is about the theory of weathering and doing it with intention. Because you can do sure. the same techniques 
and it just looks wrong and you do this those same techniques and somehow it just feels right and right prop builders on star wars were really good at thinking of why something would be dirty and why it would be dirty in a certain way um it really comes down to thinking like if if this object if i was to throw this down a hill like where would it get dinged you know or yeah um would this part even get dinged? Because maybe it's um, like an upper arm, the top edge is protected by the shoulder armor. So maybe this part gets no weathering. But the right. shin and the knee, those get a lot because you're going to kneel and shoot and scratch yeah. it on a on a nice, um, you know, you, if you think about real armor. I actually, uh, I'm trying to think if this relates, but I spent over a decade fighting in medieval armor. And uh, I, it was like a reenactment thing and I ended up doing a lot of Viking stuff. But the armor... Yeah. Um, was made of metal and there was a place we used to practice that was in a big concrete parking lot and whenever okay. you went there you would kneel down and your knee armor would get gouged by the concrete and so sure. people who had really nice like metal leg armor like they hated kneeling on that armor some even wouldn't do it if they got hit in the leg which you have to kneel they would say like you know what i, I can't in this like on dirt i'll do yeah. it but and it made me realize just how much damage knee armor takes so maybe that's part of that lived experience that I bring to it. But I just, uh, I think of what made it happen and why would it happen? And, you know, like if there's a button that I touch, like would my dirty hand leave a finger mark next to that button from hitting it over and over and over? Um, you see right. it a lot in like kitchens, the hood above the stove gets that grime. Yeah. You wipe it as yeah. well as you can and it just doesn't get in the cracks. So that tells you right. where grime lives. And Or you can see on your own keyboard, like what your, your most used keys are. You can see that just the little tiny gathering around, you know, your S, your T, your F, all that. Um, and, and that's, that's such a great point because I, as a former sand trooper, um, we would see these people who would be submitting armor and, oh, I'm super excited. And the sand troopers were such, especially with it being the first set of, you know, clips that Lucas had filmed in Tunisia, there's a great behind the scenes photo of someone applying motor oil yeah, I've seen that. on the chest, right? And so it's always been kind of a mystery as to how dirty the sand troopers actually were and the their armor was destroyed and that was also the original HDPE style before ABS. Uh, so they were all primed with that khaki color and then there was actually, I think there was a red primer underneath, but then you saw those khaki cracks starting to expose which is for someone like you, who's a detail person, it always cracks me up that to be level three of a sand trooper, you actually have to make your armor look worse. Yeah. Um, right. And so you're kind of like chasing this, this whale of like, oh, I have the most perfect screen representation. And every normal person's like, what the heck happened to your armor? Um, but, but as far as weathering goes, do you have a, a process for, you know, let, let's talk details. Cause I know that you're a detail person. I am. Let's let's talk. I want to talk like paints. Are you using just standard old off the shelf acrylic that you're buying from you yes. know, Michaels or like <laughs> yeah, or yeah. like tell me tell me what you're using. I use um, the uh, I tend to use this Liquitex Basics. Liquitex is a, a acrylic paint that I used in art school for painting, but we always use the nice, you know, the the professional grade, but then they have these bigger tubes Level that are three. like Yeah, they have these bigger <laughs> yeah. tubes that are like 5 bucks and they're called Basics and I use mostly three colors, but it depends. It's like 90% black. Nine percent uh, raw umber, and then one yep. percent um, uh, burnt sienna. It's like a little too red. It's a little too. It's great for rust, but not much else. It's great for sure. down by the feet and shoes where earth would splash up. But it's 
you know, you just got to think of what would be on there. Um, and clones tend to have, it's not black. The animated ones is pretty much pure black and gray, but the, the movie ones, it's black with some brown in it. It has a warmth to it. Sure. So I tend to use sure. that mix. It's, and I just have a kind of a big palette and I keep dabbing and in, in mixing and dabbing and mixing. And I'm like, oh, it needs a little more brown. needs a little more black. needs a little more brown. And just hitting it until it just looks right. Um, but it's right. mostly acrylic washes. I first start with um, a really watered down one where it's basically transparent. And I coat the whole thing and then wipe it all off and try and get it all clean. And that gets kind of a, a baseline haze over everything. Yeah. And then I come back in and hit those spots that really need grime, like the recesses in, you know, a belt detail on the clone right. belt or um, just like, you know, in, in little nicks and scratches. Um, oh, and that's a, another thing I tend to add are, are things I call physical weathering, for lack of anything else, like Boba Fett's dent. Like, it's not a painted-on dent. It's an actual dent, and that makes it look like a dent. And uh, I'll add dents and things to armor by either, you know, grinding them out. Um, sometimes you have to back it with some putty so you can grind deeper than the thickness. Um, sure. I use a lot of gouges and rasps and just, like, scuff and nick in the right spot like the knee armor gets way more gouges than the thigh the thigh has almost none but occasional scratches and divots and little dings they seem like nothing but when you do that baseline you start to see them come out and even get some like rough sandpaper at the very end and 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 the paint will just stick in those micro fine lines in a way that just looks like it just looks like an object from a museum yeah and are, are you are you using you know very very popular our uh, your sea sponges or, you know, are no. you a, you know, a chisel brusher or are you just no, a straight up, you know, I old faithful use, paintbrush? <laughs> yeah, but not just any brush. Like I have a couple of them, but I have this one old faithful that I've been using on all of my builds for years and it's still going and it gets better with age. Because if you use a new paintbrush, it's got that like rectangular chisel line. Yeah. But if yeah. you use a paintbrush that's frayed and sticking out, the more ragged, the better. It can just soup on paint. And, uh, and I push it with rags and I, you know, if, if it has too hard an edge, I dab it with a rag or shove it, shove the, the grime back into the crack with the rag and it gets more of a ragged edge. So I think the rag is the sea sponge kind of element to it. Sure. Um, a rough brush. Sometimes I wipe it off with my finger if it's looking too good. You know, anything you can yeah. add that's different than what you've been doing will, will give it a little bit better look. Yeah. yeah. And I've noticed that a lot with, with my own, with my own stuff because, I, I I almost have this aversion to any time you can tell that something was if there's anything that resembles a, a a brush stroke or anything that you can clearly see has a a wipe or something it it like kills me I'm like oh no I gotta get rid of this yeah. and and there's a lot of you know kind of you know even with your thumb or even with something just kind of rubbing out the specific uh we're, I don't want anyone to know that I did the weathering. I want to make something seem like it was completely organic and yeah. it's how it got gathered, you know? So it's, 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 it's comforting to hear other people that are that neurotic about it. Cause <laughs> super you're, neurotic you're, you're, Colin, about Colin, it. You, man, you are my people. You are my people. Yeah, for and sure. that, that's why airbrush always looks wrong to me. Like people use it. It has its place. It's really good for sun fading, but in general, it's like too soft. It like almost nothing yeah. gets weathered in that such an even fine mist. Airbrushes are great, but they don't, like the the dirt that comes from splashing in a puddle doesn't look like that, and like the, a grime on a mechanic's coveralls doesn't look like that. It has right. like glove wipe patterns, and it just. If I ever do a pilot, I want to go spend a day in an auto shop, see if they'll let me go back there, because I feel like those orange coveralls would be a lot like hanging out in an auto shop. 
yeah know, rather than oil rather the than the, yeah, yeah exactly all of that is is for accuracy i feel like that uh, I, I agree with you I, I i tend to see it most maybe in boba undersuits where it's like oh here i hit it with the airbrush and you're kind of going yeah i could see it but it doesn't necessarily look like backblast or it doesn't you know there there is no and i know that boba obviously is a face character so you have to be somewhat specific to what they did but i i yeah i'm i'm totally with you there has to be uh, enough of an organic less painted you know yeah go roll around i usually tell people you know yeah you want to weather it just wear the damn thing out yeah. see what happens right yeah you know go run around in the woods and see where the the dirt ends and, up and on, do things on your like cuffs. there's actually a part there's a really good um costume book for the original trilogy and it's got these beautiful photos um and it has a lot of great writing from the original prop makers and there's this part where um some of these characters extras had gone out and they had just taken a bunch of like dirt and rubbed it on each other to try and make it dirtier and the costume designer woman came out she's like what have you done like we have to launder those and redo it now because why did you why do you have like a handprint of dirt on your chest that doesn't make any sense like she they were doing it with intention then and she was like just horrified that they would have done that because you don't want to just like <laughs> make dirt you want to just live in it you want to sit on a log that makes sense you want to kneel down yeah. that makes sense but you don't want to just like arbitrarily smash it everywhere and that's what a lot of weathering that doesn't look as good has it's just that kind of like i don't know what i'm doing it's supposed to be dirty right like it, it you gotta think <laughs> right. like why did this get dirty it'll look great yeah, and so for for details and for lighting and in uh, LEDs and that, how what was what was your experience getting into you know kind of smaller electronics or just in, yeah. introducing electronics into your builds and doing that? What was what did did that come up in a project it or how started how did that out start that I was you? afraid of it, but all my favorite props had lights, and I nice. realized that. I should just stop being afraid of it. I mean, my first bins, like that um, Rodian head bin, I didn't really understand electronics yet. So I would buy like a battery-powered wall-mounted LED nightlight, you know, like when yeah. you could peel and stick somewhere and push the button. Right. And then I would, you know, wire it in like by um, by just like bolting it on from the inside. And as a self-contained thing, I could change the batteries. I didn't have to understand what a resistor was. You know, right. I just, <laughs> I was afraid of electronics and I realized at some point, this has got to be something I can learn. And so I started watching some videos. Um, there are Ohm's Law calculators, which is all the math you'd ever need to do for LEDs. So you can say, like, I want three red LEDs connected to a 9-volt. What resistor do I need? And it says you need a 330, the closest one. And you, resistors are cheap. They're just a the thing you have to put or else you'll burn out your bulbs. Um, right. Here's how a circuit works. Here's when you split it into parallel lights. Here's when they're chained sequential lights and it just those things started to make sense um and it's way simpler than i thought i was resistant for way too long um and i recommend anyone uh, just try wiring up a simple single led to a battery and it will change your world the one thing that i think is so awesome about the the prop community is you have people that have backgrounds you know they, they post something incredible uh i'm i'm almost done i feel like the show is more so just a testament to me not finishing this Din Djarin build. But I've been working on this thing for a year, and I saw most recently with some of the build groups, someone did an authentic Whistling Birds three-step actual motorized dart. Oh, how cool. Ill illuminated darts through the gauntlet, right? So it has a motor function. It's got a little tiny servo in it, I believe. And if you – and I think – I think it, his name is Frank. He actually rigged it up so that it's 
it's activated by a magnet. And so he holds his magnet up to it and the the whistling birds come out of the gauntlet. And I'm sitting here and be like, what? Is, you know, and then people are just asking all these questions and he's seeing such a great response to it. So he's being super cool about sharing information. And I think I, I've watched that video of the you doing the gauntlets for the for the clone. Um, the wrist armor. And I'm like, this is great. And, and I always love talking to people who understand that the prop community grows by people not gatekeeping, not, Absolutely. not holding information, not being someone who goes, well, you'll figure it out. I mean, you know, read the tutorials online. It's like, no, 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 no. Like this is letting someone's excitement for doing this insane hobby. I'm like, I will spend all the time in the world with you because I love that someone else, I've found someone else who can connect with me on that level. And and seeing people like you who have such a great talent for it and then choosing to say, I'm going to spend extra time recording this and editing this and doing this right. It's, it's great. And, and what was that for you? It's a, <laughs> what is your, what's your philosophy on it? I mean, really Colin, I'd love to know, do you feel the same way? Is it, is it, you know, has your experience been helpful from other people in, in the clubs? Absolutely. I am standing on the shoulders of people who took the time to photograph and document their builds before me. And I try and document every build I do. Um, even if it's just a little thing I figure out, no matter how many times it's been done before, sometimes the next person does it a little bit different way and you can learn from that. And when I started researching that Endor costume, yeah. people did the dents and the painting and the stuff in all different ways. And I was like, well, I guess I'll take photos when I do it and, and figure that out. And then I made the two box pack and I came up with a different way for it to work. And I found a piece of reference I don't think anyone had found. And I put that into my post and it's still there. You know, all these years later, four years later, people reference that build for how to make that pack and other people have made other pack builds and they're done in a different way but they're just little things that i thought you know if i save someone from making the same mistake which is the biggest one because you don't want somebody popping in and everybody going like oh you did the thing that we all know that you're not supposed to do the more times you say it the more likely they're going to stumble on that before they make it um and just finding something new that will inspire someone else and i've done things i came up with a technique for um a different way to close my stormtrooper shins. People had done magnets, but I came up with a different way where they were um, kind of cylindrical abnets, magnets that meet end to end in its strongest direction. Oh, and, sweet. Um, and so if they pop open, they snap shut. Um, but if it didn't work, you don't have to drill holes through the armor, which is the other method. And I did it. Sure. And I was, you know, I came up with this method. And then someone after me said, I like your method, but I was kind of heat shaping these little pockets for the magnets. And they 3D printed them. And they were like, and here's the pattern. And I thought, yeah, that's an improvement. And maybe someone right. else will improve both of our designs and come up with a script <laughs> sure. that you glue in all at once or something. Yeah. Um, I found I made a mistake in the first one trying to line up the magnets perfectly. And yeah. they were off by a little bit, or even if they're two millimeters apart, they're half as strong. And then on right. the next shin, I realized glue one side, wait for it to dry, and then put a little glue on the back of the magnets and let them find the other one, like tape it in place and let the magnet find the right spot. And they all click right. into place and now they're perfectly touching. Like during yeah. that build, I learned a hard lesson. So always document it because someone after you may find it. And it doesn't have to be as meticulously as I do. I tend to just take photos whenever I think of doing it or if I think it's an important thing, but um, it slows me down a tiny bit, but the idea that someone may learn from it and make better costumes and there'll be more people like us trooping in the future, it's worth it. 
Well, the costuming community is is grateful for people like you, Colin, because I, I, I'm not. You know, there's something to be said about how the Facebook groups have kind of changed a lot of the new builds, and I know there are a ton of people who have done builds that I don't even know are registered on the the forums, the detachment forums anymore, uh, which is which is just a sign of the times, and I think it's something that you know the some of the older heads feel we've got a, we've lost you've gone away from in the costuming community but also you know i'm sitting here at menards or at lowe's and i'm i hit up the facebook group and i go hey what did you guys say it's you know what color is it and then you get a, a ton of people see it and boom you get a, an answer in the time that you're there and so i can see why there's a, a need for both but i think the old school forums of how a lot of the costuming clubs had got started you still find fantastic references on there. And so I think through time, I always do encourage people to take their time and look through some of those forums because a lot of questions have been asked. A lot of questions have been answered and it's really easy to go kind of at your own pace and go, okay, tonight I'm going to finish page two of this person's build and follow along with what they're doing versus the search functionality in Facebook is a disaster. Yeah. Um, and it's so hard to find things. So I, I think that there is a harmonious uh, relationship between modern instant gratification of Facebook groups, but then also your our traditional forums for a lot of the costuming there's, clubs. There's so, so much more archival. Yeah. And I, I yeah. building my clone armor, I learned things from people who built built clones in 2006 and that wasn't possible. Facebook wasn't even around then and they documented their builds and I was like, oh, that's how the weird shin spoon works. Like I couldn't figure it out until I saw this really old build um, that had been pinned by some moderator who probably doesn't even wear armor anymore. Like it just, it was just like, this is the helpful build if you want to do this thing. And it was so helpful. I always read three or four builds um, never just one, if there are more than one, you know, like I read a bunch because everybody solves the problems in a slightly different way and you can kind of pick and choose which method makes the most sense to you, how you like to do it or improve on it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and all of that, like I said, I think, I think there is, we, the costuming community is better for people who are putting that level of detail into explaining what it is that they're doing, because it is so overwhelming. And I think that's why armor parties are so important oh, so because good. it it gets you're sitting there going okay wait first of all i i need to spend how much on just the raw armor kit and then i need to spend another 120 bucks on a dremel and then i gotta get it the right part it's so overwhelming if you're getting into it and i think someone being able to walk through a thread and look through different details lets you kind of rationalize it and say, okay, I guess I need a little bit more space than I thought. I can ask another friend if I could borrow their Dremel. Okay, cool. Now I can say I'm comfortable moving forward with this because it's so hard and so easy to overwhelm people when they're like, I might want to build a costume. And you're like, here's 12 gallons of information. You know, yeah, yeah. You're like drowning them in it because we're all excited about it, right? Yeah, so we I, want, we want I, another trooper. Yes, um, absolutely. So uh, Colin, tell me, Tell me about. I, I know that you're in both groups, both of the of the costuming group. You're also, or actually, no, you're also in the Saber Guild. No, too, I'm correct? not. I'm just Rebel Legion and Five Hundred First Legion. Awesome. So, tell me about the costumes that you have that you're approved in, but also costumes maybe you have you're building. If you're okay with that, like, tell me. I I, I love asking people about what the heck they've got in their garage. Sure, yeah, my garage, because each one is a bin that's very obvious, so my wife's very aware <laughs> of every costume I have because they're <laughs> themed. 
Um, yeah, I, honey, grab the clone commander. <laughs> I started with that Endor Rebel Trooper, which was a totally fun one to build. Um, and it was just, you know, it was simpler, it was easier. Most of it was soft parts, a little bit more sewing than I was used to. But I, you know, I needed to kind of relearn how to use that machine, that hand-me-down old machine. Um, so I have the Endor Rebel Trooper. And then later I decided uh, a friend at that 40th birthday party had given me a, a Saber Forge lightsaber, um, which oh, sweet. it just it was so well-made, milled aluminum, like the battery lasts for a whole day. I mean, I just, I yeah. love that thing. And I'm like, I should build a costume where I can swing this around outside of my house. Um, right? So I built the Jedi costume, but I sewed it all from scratch and lined some, you know, cotton and, uh, you know, the 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 gauzy cotton like Obi-Wan has, you know, I, I made that right. whole costume and it, I learned some things because I used to never like the idea of lining something like you're making it twice and yeah. no one will ever see the second one, but it's so important with certain fabrics. So I learned a lot there. Um, I love the leatherworking. I, I came from a past of doing a lot of leatherworking for medieval stuff. So the Jedi sure. belt and the pouches, I came up with a new way to make them and get those ridge lines like the prequel pouches. So I made that Jedi. Then I thought, I already have the Jedi. I could make an alien Jedi that would just be fun because Star Wars to me is just full of aliens. Like that cantina scene you're talking about. It's a huge part of Star Wars, but it's one of the hardest thing costumes to wear for people because it's kind of annoying. Latex masks are just the way worse than even a stormtrooper helmet. Everything's right. terrible. And I thought, I don't mind the heat. I'm going to do this. Like if, if no one else will, like I can, I can tough it out. So I found this mask maker and I got the Rodian mask and hands. I went with more of an olive color because Rodians come in lots of colors and I was hoping people sure. would say hey Greedo that was right yeah not yeah. enough I guess everyone oh, sees I totally and I totally said it right at the top of the hour yeah, I'm like oh, he's the no. most common one but that's why I picked yeah. a Rodian because I I was looking at all these really obscure edge races that were just like really cool but and neat looking but I thought I want to wear something that everyone who's seen Star Wars the first movie would know what it was. They're like, oh yeah, like right. that guy in the cantina. Like you don't want to be like an edge when it was either a Rodian or a hammerhead, you know? And yeah, I, I, yeah. at the time, Chris Stevens hadn't made that hammerhead mask, so I went with the Rodian, um, which was totally fun. And it's one of my favorite costumes to wear. I'm going to wear it this Saturday, actually, outside a comic shop for free comic book awesome. day because I thought that's a good one for on the street waving to kids. Um, with that costume, I also then made a Jedi General, because all you have to do is make arm guards. But to challenge myself, yep. I also made the eight and a half yards of wool cloak, because that cool. Rodian looks better with like the big that brown Jedi robe is just part of the look. Yeah. So I added that, and then uh, and then I decided I need to make some armor. Um, my wife said, "Don't you dare make a stormtrooper," but she didn't say clone trooper. <laughs> So I went down the path. You expl you exploited that. I Colin, did. That is you. You and I. <laughs> I hope our wives never meet because they're both going to figure out what we're onto. Yeah. And so if my wife says you're done building armor, right? And I'm, I go. Well, does that mean pre-built armor? Because I wouldn't be building it then, right? Yeah. Uh, so that good, that good cracks loophole. me, right? Yeah. Exactly. We're exploiting those I, loopholes. I was halfway through that build and she was like, all right, what are you building? And I said, clone trooper armor. She's like, I said, and I like, uh, uh, pardon me. Yeah. But then by that point, I had been trooping. I had been like bringing joy to little kids everywhere. My son was like, my dad is, the, he was at the time probably five or six and he was like, you're the coolest guy ever. And I'm like, I'm yeah. making clone armor and he's, brain melted and so i made the 327 star core clones uh clone armor and the reason is because they have all the accessories but they're not a named commander who knows why right. they just did that like every one of them has a pauldron two pistols a comma the little ammo belts they, and everybody thinks i'm cody or something they're like what what is all this 
not just a trooper. It has just every yeah. every single one, and it took a long time to build because I kept track of my time and I didn't round down. And it took a hundred and thirty-seven hours to build that that armor, and I did it Woo. at like forty minutes a day for months yeah. and months and months until it was done. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, that was a is that an uh, a KW Imperial Surplus kit? Yeah, Imperial Surplus kit, and then the helmet is the Evo three, which are very hard to okay. get now. But um, he was sure he just answered my email one day and said, "Sure, I have one in stock. I can mail it today." And I'd send him the money, and I got it. And that's 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 awesome. It's a beautiful helmet. So I um I made that kit, and that allowed me to get into the five hundred first Legion because it's both a good guy and a bad guy costume. So it's kind of a dual costume. Um, I wore that for a year of good trooping, and then I realized my dream of a stormtrooper. I just I gotta make it. I I just love yeah. that costume so much, and I weathering is a crutch for when you make mistakes. And I just want to like just make that glossy. Those guys coming through that doorway like that blew my mind as a kid, and still blown my mind today. Like I gotta make that. I gotta make that black and white classic. A big reason for the stormtroopers also. I would wear the clone trooper. And like a lot of people didn't even know what it was. And that doesn't mean, you know, I made it because I loved it. And I love that those those guys and how they look. And um, But, you know, like so many kids, you know, would like, oh, look, a stormtrooper. And it's like, well, actually, I'm a clone trooper. Like, you just don't correct them. You just got to <laughs> right. salute yeah. them. Um, yeah. And I just thought, man, I really want to wear that costume where you walk in and, and like everyone's mom knows who you are. Like, it's just and they want a picture with you because they're like, oh, the stormtroopers are here. And when there's six of you it just is amazing and i i went into that build which turned out to be one of the funnest builds of all because it's been done so much it's so well documented the kits are perfect and cover strips like are just such a beautiful thing because clone armor is filled with all these seamless seams where you have to butt a joint after trimming it back it and then fill it and sand it and fill it and sand it until it's so smooth and then it cracks and then you do it again yeah, stormtrooper armor is just like just it was made simply and beautifully, and it's lighter and comfy, and I don't know, I'm I'm in love with it right now. Yeah, and that's I have I have one in my garage, and after I finish this this den, the den is uh, it is my Halloween project, and just because we'll be kind of you know I expect him to show up in Book of Boba Fett, and there's going to be you know the I'm sure we'll get a, a trailer. That's going to show kind of how Din is involved with all the future projects moving forward. But I, I really wanted where we're at in Northern Michigan is where we don't have many face characters. We have a Vader up here, um, but it's a very difficult costume for him to wear. And so he's usually in his stormtrooper armor. But I have always said that I'm one of the weird people who feels like if you want to join the Legion, everyone should have a stormtrooper a classic OT because there's nothing more awesome than going somewhere and seeing 15 stormtroopers because that to me is like yeah. every time Vader every time Vader went somewhere right there were always tons of stormtroopers because they you know it's like the infantry and I felt that way too because eventually you 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 show up to events and we as legion members of course we love the new one you know it's like oh you don't recognize me from chapter 4 of this one time in this one episode it's like you what 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 are you i'm like oh i'm i was on scarif don't you remember and they're like what movie is that from you know yeah and i feel like the stormtrooper besides vader is one of the most if not the most iconic bad guy of all time yeah just the the silhouette Everything about it, it's so instantly recognizable. And 
I have I'm built I'm gonna build one. I built my first sand trooper out of a Waltz Trooper Factory kit. And you know, it, it it's such a great point that you bring up that there is something about that original trilogy Stormtrooper that there's a reason it's the Legion's logo, right? And I know yeah. Alvin has his you know, he has his story about it, but I think that was for a lot of people, that is Star Wars to them. And, and it is recognizable by people outside of the of the fandom too. I remember later, like I talked about seeing, you know, a few stormtroopers, then going to a convention, you know, a couple of years later, and they all got on an escalator. And there was like an officer in the front, I now know handling, but they were going down an escalator and there was, you know, 16 stormtroopers and it just was so amazing looking. And they were in this Moscone Center, it's this all glass and white and like futuristic San Francisco escalator and they just looked perfect on it. Like it just, it was, and they were all just standing there, you know, perfectly like in order. And I just thought like, oh, I want to be one of those guys. I just want to, I, I want to not stand out. It's such an amazing costume. It's like, it's so... It's so iconic that I just couldn't wait to wear it, and I I love it. So after that, just to finish my costumes out, um, sure. I then realized that I love wearing my clone trooper, but I just thought I made a just for the fun of it a phase one clone helmet from a print, um, and I just because they're just a cool Art Deco with the fin and the little light in it, yeah, and I just yeah. thought that's a fun helmet. I'll make that, um, and then I made um, a phase two, and I thought you know what I'll do a clean phase two so I can have. Just a nice lineup where I have the Phase One, Phase Two Stormtrooper, and then like a Black Series First Order, you know, helmet. So I have the kind of evolution of the helmet, and they'll all be white. So it'll just you can kind of see the frown changing as it goes, and the tube right. stripes and where they came from. Like I just thought this will look good at a con on a table, like I could just put out. And that helmet, it's um, Kevin's new Phase Two. It has the tight neck ring, so I had to do a face off with the magnets to make it click into place. It was a challenge, and sure. I loved it. And I thought, man, I, I want to wear that helmet. So I looked at my clone armor, and it has yellow stripes on half of it, the arms and yeah. the knees and the boots. The boots, I had to buy new boots. Um, and I thought, I can just make <laughs> the white parts swap out, and I can get a whole other costume out of that. Actually, when I have the white parts, I can also wear the phase one helmet. Like in the morning, I could be phase one. In the afternoon, I could be phase two. And this there is before the, the current season of Bad Batch, where they're, all of a sudden, all the troopers were starting to be just clean basic phase twos and right i just thought that'll be a fun look and i just completed that whole those two costumes feels like cheating because it's half the same i didn't have to make back armor i didn't have to redo my thighs and calves which are the hardest parts of the clone um, right right with that but now it's like uh it's like the the tie reserve right that that one yeah, special you, costume that is you, you know you could be out of it yeah exactly um and those and, just got approved now, this week. Both of those costumes, I got the approval a few days ago. So, well, congratulations! Yeah. Uh, I, I look forward to sharing your CT number. And now, then we find out too, of course, with this, uh, we're I guess we're dating this this podcast we're doing. But uh, now we find out that you're going to have to get a Phase One Stormtrooper, a yeah. Phase One TK, right? <laughs> I mean, the helmet, I guess, for that lineup at least. Yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. I mean, I've loved Dave Filoni. He's like a He's like a fans fan, and I've always loved what he yeah. did. Like when I'd be watching Rebels, and I'd be like, 
oh, wait a minute, I know what that is. That's from that one piece of concept art. He would go to there all the time. And one day I looked at like the first concept art of R2-D2 and C-3PO in the desert. And I'm like, that's Chopper. Chopper has the little two little arms and it's that square head. That's where Chopper comes from. He's that first yeah. R2-D2 and Obi-Wan's right. and kind of Zeb. Yeah. Fake, fake bounty hunter helmet. Yeah, Zeb was the early Chewbacca. Um, right, early, right. A bunch of early like Boba Fett designs show up everywhere. The J-Guys on Rex are from the original Boba yep. Fett design. And yep. I just, yep. I love how he finds ways to work those in so that because they're part of that world and they were designed by the guy who designed the stuff. So they just feel right. And him putting that original like stormtrooper design in there. I, as soon as they saw the knees, they have this dip down knee like on yeah. the front and they're walking after Gregor. And I'm like, wait a minute. Is that, that no, is that like, Oh, what a brilliant. McQu yeah. We've gone back to the Macquarie. Well, Macquarie. We well, yeah. Just, yes, it's almost dry at this rate. <laughs> I know. I know. Absolutely. Well, well, that's that I, I love hearing about people's armor and the story behind it. Uh, you know, is there a, or the costume specifically, you know the the clone. I think the the I would say based on the conversations that I've had with people, uh, you know, you have the the insanity of. I would say most people would put Boba Fett as being the Everest of costumes, but based on what I've heard from a lot of people, is that clones are both incredibly difficult to build and they're also kind of uncomfortable to wear over time. Is that a true sentiment I from would someone who has agree. them? Yeah, because they have. They're, they have less range of movement than a stormtrooper, for sure. Um, the okay. animated costumes, I think, are a little bit more forgiving and a little bit easier because they don't have knees and elbows um, and a couple other things. But all of them are uncomfortable. And I also had the comma and the two pistols and the, the pauldron like Rex has that catches on every door frame you walk by. And yeah. it just had a few extra like things that would pop loose and you know took a while to tune my belt to not open and... It just sure. had a, it was a lot of work, and uh, I, but I still love. I don't mind the discomfort if it looks cool. If I run into that fan, and a few times I've run into someone who goes like, oh, "You're a three twenty seven Star Corps man, this is amazing," and you, you get that like geek out, <laughs> yeah, and you just yeah. like, "Yes, sir," and you just talk. And I have like a chatter track where it's got Clone Wars like dialogue that I put in there every yeah. once in a while, and little things, and they're like, yeah. "Listen to it. It sounds oh, this is." You get that person, and you're like, "This is why I spent one hundred and thirty seven hours on this because yes. I met another me." Yes. It's you know right. two years ago who was like this this is real you can beat this, um, but yeah. the clones are they're uncomfortable but they also come with this metaphorical and like almost literal brotherhood where everyone who has clone armor like they talk to each other as if they're brothers and they're all like welcoming I mean it's the same in a lot of costumes but the clones yeah. like really kind of own that like hey brother like hey brother and they got that like connection and they help each other and that detachment specifically has just a really welcoming forums and people that are just like helping each other across the way. They have level one, two, and three. If people aren't aware, um, a lot of Legion costumes have like a basic level, which is very high standard compared to a Halloween sure. store. But then they have <laughs> sure. like, if you want to go a little further, here it is. And a little further, here it is. And they have like little yep. needling details that are like, you've got to hand paint these because that's what they look like. And the yeah. clone armor has those, but they don't recognize them because they wanted, sure. they would rather people troop. And so they decided to put yeah. their focus on trooping. So I built it to what I thought was level three. And I'm like, okay, so how do I get my level three? And they said, no, it looks great. Uh, enjoy. Yeah. Just go yeah. troop. We right. support multiple troops. Like that's what we recognize. And I just was like, yeah. yeah, you know what? I, the other clones will see it. And that's actually great. I love doing it. Yeah. And, and I think for, for myself personally, 
because I, I, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about it in the lightning round, of course, but, but I always ask people, you know, kind of like, you know, the dream build for me, uh, I think there is something, I'm just curious about the Boba Fett club because everyone I've met is insane who's built a fat right there it's like yeah you know and and they're they're us and i'm sure like there's going to be some people i know who listen that have boba fats and they're going to be like oh man like come on you're always dogging on us but it, it just cracks me up that everyone that i know that builds bobas knows that costume so well and there's this almost like this apologist of everyone that I meet and I'm like, Oh wow. Your Boba looks awesome. They're like, well, yeah, I don't have the, I don't have this authentic, bro. You know? And they like kind of like down themselves on this, you know, because they know that the standard for Boba is just insane. And for me personally, it's serious. Yeah, it seriously is. And I think for me, I'm like, man, if, if, if I could build anything right now and had, uh, you know, all the time in the world and I didn't have a freelance career and I didn't have a full-time career and I didn't also try to be a good dad and be a good husband, I would build a Rex 100%. And every time I talk to someone with clone armor, I go, not yet. Just because I feel like everyone I've talked to is like, man, these costumes will kick your ass. And that's okay because I think it's really cool for to feel like, you you worked so hard at doing something and you learned so much in the process. Um, Din is currently doing it for me with this paint application. I've never airbrushed before. And yeah, to get to this that best. Too. It's, it's tricky, but oh, it's, yeah, I, I wish yeah. I had done it years ago though. Cause it is like, it gets looks that you cannot get and metallics that you could not do. Like I've tried <laughs> chasing metallics my whole life and yeah. airbrush. That was the answer. It's been the answer right. the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think it I think it's really cool to to kind of feel like you have put in the work to learn, to find mistakes, to to go to forums and reference where others have, have stumbled and then and then overcome them. You know, because I think that's that's part of costuming that it's so easy for us to forget that, yeah when people get started in this hobby, they make mistakes. And like you said, weathering can hide a lot of mistakes. And I think that's why a lot of people like, like weathered costumes and that's all a part of it too. But, um, I, I personally, I just think it's, it's a lot of fun to, to learn how to do something new and, and basically try to figure out how, how all of these new costumes work. Uh, and, 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 and it almost kind of makes me sad that we're currently in the bad batch and we're seeing clones get phased out because I feel like yeah, they the were kind of, of hitting. Era. Yeah. I feel like they were kind of hitting their stride with, um, you know, I feel like they were kind of starting to hit their stride with like mainstream people that, that, uh, your, your more casual star Wars fans had kind of started to recognize, Oh yeah. Okay. That's, you know, that's a newer clone trooper versus, you know, and, and I know that the, the timelines in star Wars are all goofed up, but, um, the clone I, I wars I for do... sure, like really built them out. Like, cause the clone wars before the stormtroopers we knew were like person personality lists. They were all the same. And the clone wars really made you like fall in love with their personalities. And I think it's even one of the earliest episodes in Yoda says like, you're, you may all look the same, but I see your spirits are all different. Like you can see the force is different in all these clones that are with him. And, and I just thought right. that was a good way to kick it off to really like let you kind of fall for this, that they, they even have different voices slightly and they're all voiced by the same guy, but you forget it all the time that it's one man yeah. voicing all of them because he gives them all a little bit of a character. 
Yeah, and he's and D. Bradley Baker is such a legend oh, for he's being so good. to pull, especially for Bad Batch, because that's where you you really hear the difference in them. And you've got you know four different people that are all supposed to be the same, but they've got. I mean, geez, you, you'd almost sounds like it's, it's four different, you know, four different people doing four different voices. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. And then, then like Gregor shows up and he's got that weird little laugh and you're like, no, no, that's, that's also another still uh, him. Same yeah, voice. Still, yeah. Right. I went to right, a, still a, him. A, a thing where I got to hear him do that. You know, it was right when the bad batch was coming out and he did that thing. You've probably seen some videos where he talks about like, you know, and he's like, and, and Hunter sounds like this and tech has yeah. this and he goes through and does the voices and it's blowing your mind to see an uncut video of him doing it and somebody asked right. they're like do you just do you roll them and he's like no i just do them all in a row like i just read the script like he doesn't record them at different times he's just so good that he can just yeah. just cut right over into crosshair and get that little clipped coiled snake sound and right yeah. he's, just, he's awesome and i think yeah they a whole generation of people grew up with the Clone Wars, um, not with the original trilogy and not with any of the other things I grew up with. So clones like really resonate with a certain group of people who that was Star Wars for them, was Rex. Yeah. Rex was Star Wars. So Colin, we've talked a lot about different costumes and, and our way of, as costumers, really identifying with certain characters, whether that's through a personal experience of Star Wars or that's whether through just really loving design decisions and making you connect with a character. When you do a new build, and I feel like it's such a frustrating time to be a Star Wars customer right now because everything that goes on screen is amazing. And if you have costume ADD, like many of us do, you are halfway through a build and then you see a trailer for a new show or a new movie and you go, oh, that's my next build. I know that. Um, what what makes you connect with the character? Like, what what is it about seeing something on screen or a specific armor or something that you feel like sets the hook for you. Is there, is there, can you, can you think of a time where you go, man, I don't know why I don't like this costume. I love all the costumes, but I wouldn't build this one. Or why is it that you choose to build certain, certain costumes? Yeah, I, I definitely want to reiterate to anyone who's thinking of building a costume like that. You should, it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be a bit of money. Even if you cut corners everywhere you go, it's just going to be a lot of sanding or sewing or something better love that character and you should want to be that more than anything because there are points when it just is a lot more work than you thought on every costume every time i think well that'll be easy i'll just do that and it just ends up being more but i'm loving the process because i can't wait to be that character and so like looking when i was first trying to find what i wanted to be there were easier costumes and there were ones that I could definitely do, but I didn't feel like that pull, that draw to that character. And I just like, I don't, I don't want to be that. And I love Boba Fett. Like he's so cool. And I got the black series helmet because it was a cheap way to have that on my wall. Um, And it's a beautiful thing. And growing up, I always thought like that guy's just cool, whatever he is, but I didn't feel like I wanted to be him. And so I've never wanted to build a Boba Fett. Um, I just, I just don't. And, and I respect it. And I like, I love how he looks and I love trooping next to him, but it's just, it wasn't for me. So I'm kind of off the hook personally for that one because I just don't, I don't want to be it. And I don't know why. I always wanted to be a Jedi, of course. So that was an easy decision. Rodians, I always thought were just kind of a cool, like you don't see any humanity to them at all. And that taught me that um, when I'm a Jedi, you can see my face. When I'm an Endor trooper, you can see my face and I just look like a person. But when you have a mask or a helmet, public doesn't see anything but that character. And especially like 
a, a recognizable helmet, they just go like, you're that. Like, you meet a Darth Vader, and you're like, you're the Vader. And then I see him in the dressing room later, I'm like, oh, huh. Like, it just totally breaks that That's spell. you? <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't know that was who yeah. was there. And sometimes it's someone I even know, and I'm like, I didn't know you had a Vader. Like, I had no idea out there. I love that part. Yeah. But you got to feel passion for that character. Like, oh, TIE Pilot is one. I've never liked the TIE Pilot helmet. I mean, it's cool looking, but like, I just never wanted to be a TIE Pilot. It's just not in the... Sure. It's not what I want to be. And I that was one I looked mm-hmm. at early on because it's a lot less armor. And I thought, yeah. no, I don't want to be a TIE Pilot because I just never liked that. As a kid, I just thought like, can they not see? How are they flying? Like, I, compared right. to the Rebel Pilots, I just thought it didn't make sense to me and I didn't like it. And uh, you just got to go where your heart is, not just because it's easy or popular. I got to say, like, there are popular costumes that um, are intriguing, but then I think like, no, but I don't, I don't know yet. I don't know if I love that enough to spend that journey with that, (laughs) that prop yet. Yeah. And that's, and that's part of the forums and the, the Facebook costume groups. It's so easy to, to talk yourself into going, well, I mean, this person's selling this costume for really <laughs> it cheap. It absolutely is. And, you know, and you're like, wait, what am I doing? Like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a, you know, Imperial Gunner. Like, I don't, yeah. you know. Oh, this is a cool and, helmet. And, I would do an Imperial Gunner because as a kid, I was like, what is that kind of jutting jaw and that yeah, glossy yeah. black? I'm like, those guys, the, like, those, <laughs> yeah, that's right. all they do is they pull that thing. But man, do they look good doing it. Yeah, they stood at their post for hours just waiting for finally one day to be like, wait, is it time? I yeah. can pull it? I can do it? I can destroy this planet? Um, yeah, and, and it's, it's, it is a great – I always, I always ask people that because I, I'm always interested in hearing kind of their take on, you know, what I, – I think for a lot of people it's that idea of looking cool. And I generally tell people any armor you're going to wear – you're going to look cool. Yeah. And, and, and it's, but it's, I think it's just a matter more so, um, to have a personal connection to it because you're going to put in a lot, exactly like you said, you're going to put in a lot of time to learning the ins and outs of the costume. You're going to interact with the public. And I feel yeah. like that's always, you know, we have someone in our group that's a, a Royal guard and they're the strong, all silent type and yeah, so they people don't really talk <laughs> no right so you have people that walk up to him and oh you're you're one of the emperor's guards and then he just kind of looks down and like you know just nods his head it's like well, that 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 technically is canon we've never heard them speak okay all right yeah move along uh versus you know then you have your stormtroopers that stormtroopers are very got wow, 100 wow. lines you can say yeah yeah exactly we exactly. see some identification so, yeah. Right. And and so a good. lot of that, I think a lot of that plays into if if you are a person who likes bringing more of it to life or if, you know, you're you're a Vader that wants to be just kind of strong and and have this prowess to you and not really talk that much like that that still works for Vader's character for sure. Um so I I I agree with you. I think those are great points that you bring up especially in costuming. Uh before we get into a lightning round Colin, 3D printing Resin printing? No. What's your t- What's your take? I, I got to know because I just I, I always ask people this now because I feel there's uh, there's something about the 3D printing and the resin printing to me that we've got away from the found parts of Star Wars. Oh yeah, bit. I we've, totally we've, am for it. I buy a lot of 3D prints. They they've solved some problems. On my Endor pack was the first one. So many people tried to scratch build this weird little greebly on the lower box. It's 
such a difficult shape and it's got these ridges. It took, it was only last year that someone finally discovered what it was. The, it was the back of a, like a, a tachometer on a Ford van, like the backside of the instrument panel. I thought it was maybe from a light kit. Like I've been scouring the world for that part. But some guy in Denmark had 3D modeled it and he was like, oh yeah, I'll sell you a print because he does, um, they do Hoth Troopers there. Same backpack. Sure. And so he sent me this 3D part and I looked at it and it was better than anything on any of the scratch builds I'd ever seen. It was double as detailed and perfect looking. And that's when right. I fell in love with 3D printing because I'm like, well, that, there it is. Like, that's the thing that nobody knows what it is. They can't even measure it. And this guy nailed it. Like, and, yeah. and so 3D printing has changed the game. I don't personally do it. I don't have a printer. I see a lot of, yeah. a lot of spaghetti, a lot of prints halfway falling apart. And I, I don't envy that. So buying prints for me is a good way to hedge against that uh, sadness sure. in time. But sure. I'm totally thinking I'm going to leapfrog to the resin print because I got a kit with some resin parts um, recently from Van Oaks Props. And they were, it was for the yeah. Endor Proton Grenade. And it had some like yeah. knurled tiny bolts and this little thing with tons of little geared teeth. And it was perfectly round and every tooth was perfect. And I didn't have to sand a thing. Like I just, yeah, I was like, all right, there it is. Because... There are a lot of Greeblies that just are so small, they're never going to print well, except for a resin printer. So if I do it, they're smaller. I could use it for small pieces. I think yeah. I'm going resin printer when I when I jump into that world. But for now, I'm happy buying whatever pe- other people make so that they can sure. justify that printer that they bought. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. And, and it's, just, it's just an interesting time because I always try to ask people... You know what is what is Star Wars to you? What is what is the vibe of Star Wars? And I'm and I'm hoping as I get more people who have worked on the shows and who have done the props and done all that, I, I would love to just keep kind of fleshing out what made Star Wars this lo-fi, almost gritty war movie that has all bases in in reality of stuff that is familiar to us and yeah. When I talked about with with Drew Hart, who goes by Drew Drew the customer, we had talked a little bit about this because there was something really awesome about the Mandalorian that they went through and they said, yeah, you know, the back ends of all the blasters are real guns because, you know, 1975, George Lucas gets the thumbs up. We're going to make this freaking movie. He goes to the prop house and what's the most popular kind of movie at the time? War movies. Well, we got... We got to outfit 20 people with space guns. Well, we're not going to scratch build a bunch of space guns. Just stick a freaking part on a old Sterling machine gun. Yeah. And now it's a space gun, you know, and, and, I, and he I feel actually like he, had to return them too. So he was renting them for that first movie. So it right. had to be removable, whatever he did. So he couldn't yeah, even like yeah. ruin them. He had to like make a removable setup that yeah, he the, could take off right. and give back to the rental place. Right. So the, you know, the E11, of course, is the, you know, the Sterling submachine gun with the folding stock flipped over to the front. That nobody ever uses. And, <laughs> right. Exactly. But I, I just think there's something about, it's almost like when I see people, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of the people who I, I'm trying to be on the Galactic Star Cruiser the first, within the first, you know, couple weeks that it opens. And of course, me and my friends are like, oh man, what are we going to do? We got to build Star what Wars. What am I going to wear? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I think there's a part of what's kind of fun that's not really armor related, but costuming is what if, you know, what is a background actor? What is a background character in Star Wars that 
you know, when, when they're watch, we're watching the Gamorreans fight and you see this arena of people kind of watching this cage match in the first episode of Mandalorian season two. And you, you see all these different people and like, you know, some have vests on, some have these collared, you know, these robes and all that kind of stuff. And I, I hope that I get to talk to Shauna Turpik about this, but it's like, what, what, you know, what decisions are made there? And oftentimes you're, you're also remembering that Luke Skywalker had wraps around his legs and he wore, uh, dyed, bleached, bleached freaking Levi's. Yeah. Yeah. Just Levi's. Yeah. You know, so, so you almost kind of wonder if we've, as maybe creators, as maybe fans, if like we've kind of pushed Star Wars more hi-fi than it originally was because people almost forgot that a lot of the, you know, you could go to a plumbing store and probably find better greaves than anything you could design on a 3D printer, right? Yeah. Because that's that's the original way that they did it. And I know that in some ways we've moved away from that. What is your take on that? I mean, you know, of, of all that, you know, the, I, the, the essence of star Wars, you know, I half agree in that, um, like the found parts and all of that budget, um, was a big part of what it made it look like that. But the reason he wore those five ones is because he had those leg wraps and then a tunic that went down. So all you saw was the knee. So that was a place yeah. he could cut costs, but I am continuously amazed at how dedicated those prop makers were in the, you know, 1976 in that shop, making a movie they thought no one would watch. Yeah. They, they just <laughs> spent DOA. time and they were working on details. And, you know, Lucas was like, no zippers. And they're like, no zippers and like no buttons. The shirts don't have buttons. And so they had to like come up with hidden snaps. And he was like, you know, only flathead screws, no Phillips screws. Now there are a few, right. but there are almost none because he was like, that just makes it look like it could be from any time because it's just sure. something about that looks modern to me. And he had this vision yeah. To make a world that felt familiar, like take a, you know, an old um, uh, a broom handled Mauser and add some stuff and make Han Solo's cool iconic gun, and it's a space right. gun, but it looks familiar enough that you're like, I'll bet that thing works. And they fired blanks, yeah. so it just it had recoil. You know, boots were boots, and like a lot of it right. was from our world, but a little bit different. And something about yeah. that movie, they rode that line between. Like, I've seen that before, but I've never seen this. And it just gave yeah. it this earthbound realism that um, I think is worth striving for with the 3D props because, you know, they the more we can still frame, the more we can see where they cut corners. But it took 40 years to really find all of those yeah. bizarre little, like, greeblies and what they were and where they came from. They did such a good job. And they were so passionate. And they're in some documentaries they talk about like showing an early cut and you know the whole audience including people like spielberg who was a young director they were like it's not good because mm -hmm. they didn't have the music yet and they hadn't yeah. drawn in some of the effects and they were like i don't know man you gotta this movie's not gonna work and to still yeah. push through and make a piece of beauty out of that like they were they were dedicated to to pulling right. this vision off that is still resonating with us all these years later yeah. so I think yeah. there is, they cut corners. They like, if you look at that sand trooper pack, it's got a lot of junk on it. It's kind of one of the worst like assembled props with some like literal plumbing parts that look like plumbing 100%. parts. But it was, 100%. A, it was a chunky black detail in the movie. Like, and it looked right. cool. And I was like, that must keep them cold in the desert. That that must be what yeah. that's for. Like it just, yep. it intrigued me in a way that, um, you know, it did, it did the trick. 
And I think that's yeah, how they made absolutely. that movie. And I think that's something that the prequels may have suffered from in design. Like everything on Naboo was like custom made. And I think, uh, I think it just Tatooine was more compelling because it had to match that, that vision from before. Right. There was a, and I, I, I had mentioned this earlier, but there, there was a, you know, between the Naboo star cruiser, the all Chrome one, it's almost like we had kind of lost those. And I know that I'm sure this was an explanation from Lucas, but you know, even Padme's blaster looked like actually more of a, a flash Gordon. It was almost like, yeah, exactly. It was so, it was so sci-fi. And I think that's that lo-fi, uh, vibe of star Wars, I think is really connected with a lot of people. And it's obviously having us still, uh, emulating that style of, you know, this at the end of the day, it is a, it's a, a story about war and conflict and, and people finding family within that. And, and it, it's, it's just really a, a, a cool thing to come back to, but also hear other people's in, interpretation of, you know, especially us as prop makers and customers, like, what is the Star Wars vibe? You know, when I, when I go to the Galactic Star Cruiser, you know, what is my comm badge on my chest? Yeah. Is it, is it, you know, is it something that you can, you know, is it going to be a couple of, you know, goofy parts from the plumbing section or is it supposed to have a, a blinking light that, you know, I can call the rebel base and, you know, it's, so it's, it's kind of that, you know, that back and forth between saying, well, this looks sci-fi, but is it too sci-fi for how lo-fi Star Wars is, you know, yeah. like, and, and it's just a constant back and forth of trying to figure out what that vibe is yeah i have a, i have greebly bins that i'll probably never use you know they're just like little drawers of like things that i find at garage sales and stuff or i open up a, I throw away some broken appliance and i find one weird knobby washer and i'm like one day yeah one day that's yeah, gonna be this is that yeah, could be on my crown combat. jewel right here <laughs> yeah and i may never use it but i just i love that i love searching through that and i also buy um like jars of old screws from garage sales or like estate sales when it, when an old timer mm-hmm. passes away and he's got all those jars of screws and they have 50 cents and they're all flathead or weird. And I'm like, yes, I need yeah. that jar. I, I sort them out and I have my, my star Wars screws and my regular screws cause, cause I'll use them. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Colin, you are definitely my kind of people. You are definitely a star Wars costuming. I mean, everything about you, uh, says that you are completely home and comfortable among other Star Wars weirdos who have brought this stuff to absolutely. life. Absolutely. So I, I I love your work again, and it has been absolutely fantastic talking to you. Uh, let's get into a lightning round. We we ask you a bunch of questions pretty quick and and get your take on them. Sure. Does that work, does that work for you? I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Colin. Which costume in the Lucasfilm archives would you love to examine the closest? Oh, man. It, like, I get to go to their archives and they'll roll something out. Um, there are a lot of great costumes in there that I have some questions about. Of course, the Endor Trooper. But I think after seeing the details in a costume book, I would want to see that Boosh bounty hunter. Leia's bounty hunter from Jabba's Palace. Because it's got just amazing, that backpack and the helmet and all these details on the the boots and the cloak, it just is stunning looking. And I think I'd want to get a closer look at it because it just, somebody put a lot of love into that thing. 
That is a great answer and definitely one of the coolest costumes that I think most people sleep on because in regards to what that was, that costume is more detailed than I think a lot of people remember, especially with the LED and yeah. all the different parts of it. So I'm, I'm, I think that's a great answer. Colin, who has the coolest lightsaber in all of Star Wars? I, you know, I really like the just the standard lightsabers so let me just the, the problem is anakin's lightsaber and luke's you know is cool it comes from that graph flex but it is so uncomfortable to hold it's got little things that stick out everywhere like i would never want to yeah. wield that thing um you know i think uh um someone like obi-wan's first lightsaber or qui-gon's they have that kind of grip they seem comfortable to hold i think i would go for one of those those, uh, I think Qui-Gon's lightsaber. It just looks comfortable. It looks ergonomic, but it's got a little black and silver, so it looks nice. I'm going to go Qui-Gon Jinn. All right. Phantom Menace. That's a, that's a good one right there. Who has better costumes of Star Wars, the good guys or the bad guys? It's absolutely the bad guys. And I started as a rebel, but, man, do their costumes just look good. Their uniforms look amazing on the officers. Yeah. Every, you know, yeah, those guys, the gunners have really cool costumes. And some of the rebels, I love that they're kind of, you know, it's scrappy rebellion kind of thrown together. But, you know, something about making sure everyone wears a helmet, um, I just looks amazing. <laughs> sure. Like it just, yeah, they, absolutely. They, they have the best, best tailors, best armors, hands down. They figured it out. You get to take one blaster from all of Star Wars with you on your next mission. What blaster do you pick? I think I always like the kind of handheld, uh, the two-handed, like shorter carbine style blasters. I think I would take a first order blaster, like the the white and black thing. It just looks amazing. I think it's called the F11. Yeah, it's like an E11. It's the the next version. Okay, the F11. Yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. why I don't know the name of it, but th I just it, that thing looked cool when I saw it. I'm like, yep, that's what the next version of an E11 would be. I love it. With with the sidearm actually magnetically attached to the side of their leg, too, is kind of a yeah, nice and, little Yeah, and they moved detail. the magazine to the other side so they could wear it on the right. So, yeah, totally. It's That's right. And everyone forgets blaster. that. <laughs> right. And everyone forgets that all the stormtroopers are left-handed. So next yeah. time you watch A New Hope, you'll go, oh, no. It's at I least half. I this. found I, I had an argument with somebody. There's at least half a right-handed. But there's a scene sure. where they all are left-handed. Yeah, um, yeah. So. And, that, and as a left-handed person... I always said, well, that's nice that they included us. They did. Too. It's at least half. Uh, at least half. <laughs> especially with the magazine sticking out. Colin, if someone picked up the tab on your next build, no matter what the cost was, what would you build? Um, at first, I want to say thank you to whoever this mysterious benefactor is. Um, <laughs> the next, if it doesn't cost anything, there's probably a couple of costumes that are so cost prohibitive. I I just put it in the never going to happen. Like, those yeah. General Grievous on stilts um, is a cool one, but I think similarly, I would probably do a Chewbacca on stilts because there's a lot of work, there's a lot of hair, but everyone I know who's a Chewbacca and everywhere I see it, people just want to give him a hug. And I've been around Star, you know, Star Wars costumes for many years now, and I went to right. some event over at uh, Lucasfilm, and they had a Chewbacca there, and I was like, I, I got to give him a hug. Like, he just is the warmest, sweetest... Star Wars creature that everyone loves, right. and I think I think I would go Chewbacca. That's a great answer. I at the 2019 celebration, I got to troop the Chicago Cubs game that was happening. That was like Star Wars Day, of course. Oh, neat. And, yeah. yeah, I think I actually think uh, Yunus Sutomo uh, threw out the first pitch. 
<sighs> and nor- normally when you go out in your costume, you everyone wants to take pictures with you. So us stormtroopers went out first. Everyone's like, wow, this is awesome. And then as soon as Vader came out, it was like a ghost town. Everyone left. Okay, let's go get our picture. And then Chewie came out, and we might as well have just left because everybody was like, "Yeah, I need a picture beloved. with you." You know, and it's just such a it's such an awesome character to both troop with, but also to experience. Notice, I think Galaxy's Edge does such an yeah. awesome version, and also the way when they when the and I hope we're able to get back to Chewie being able to walk around because. It really is an incredible costume, and the design on paper just does not make sense. But it is truly an incredible yeah, character. Yeah, they knocked it out and... of the park with that character because it. Yeah, you're right. It should have been just like some weird monster. Does it? And he's beloved. He's beloved by everyone. He's my wife's favorite right. character. And I just yeah. like, oh, really, Chewbacca? Like, and I have good balance, so I could walk on stilts. I've never done it, but I, I just feel sure. like if, if I was to push to the next level, that costume, spend four months with a crochet hook and hair in my house, you know, yep. I just, I would do it for, for that because I think it'd be worth it. That is a great answer. I love that. I'm five eight, so I probably won't join you in that desire to do that. But I love anyone who has the inkling to do it because it might mean one day you'll end up as everyone's favorite right, Wookiee. You planted the seed in this podcast because I wasn't <laughs> considering building it, but I just am kind of in awe of that costume. So, yeah, we'll there listen to what was it our first, our second episode with uh, Mike Quinones from Dark Side Closet because his Chewie is awesome. Yeah, he was talking about time... it, and I was thinking of all that hair everywhere, and I was like, that yep, yep, just seems yeah, like and, a lot. And exactly, and I feel like I'm, I'm going, oh, man, the reactions, though. Anyways, Colin, if, if you could visit any planet within the Star Wars saga, which planet would you visit? I would want to go somewhere that was, like, kind of wooded and had ruins, like Yavin or... Uh, Maz Kanata's castle, like somewhere that had a little bit of like a town, you know, where you could yeah. go and have a drink and get a meal and see some scoundrels, like a, you know, Batu kind of like waypoint where a lot of people came from all over, but it still had trees. Definitely not yeah. a desert. Forest cool, but it's just too, it's too much. Like I would want to go somewhere where there was just like earth-like and shady and beautiful. Sure. So uh, Takodana, I think, would yeah. be your your pick. As Ray has said, I've never yeah. seen so much green. Yeah, that before, part so. struck me. Yeah, I love that <laughs> when she says that. Yep, yeah, and it's Takodana. an awesome. It's a it's an awesome scene. And what ship would you take to get there? I've got to know this. Oh, I would take a U wing. I love the U wing, and it's uh, the U wing from Rogue One. Um, I think you're the second person to say yeah, that. I think someone yeah, else on, did too. And it's, I think uh, Robin did. Uh, Vault Fox. I think she right. said the Ewing was yeah because she likes <laughs> Rogue One too. Rogue One was such a, yeah. a stellar movie, but that ship it's got the right blend of everything. I'm the Millennium Falcon. You have to fly on one side. Um, yeah, I would never take a fighter ship because like you can't you know stand up and stretch. Um, the U-Wing has, it's a two-seater. It's got a window to help you land on the bottom. It's like big enough that you could probably, you know, help a bunny move a couch. It's got <laughs> non-functional wings that move for no reason, which makes it super Star Wars-y. I yep. think it's got everything. It checks all the marks. So uh, U-Wing, on this way to Takodana, that's where we'll find you, Colin. Well, Colin, thank you again for for sitting in and having a conversation with us. I I keep up the great work. I'm such a fan of, of watching your process. I, I love the detail in which you go into things and you just have a general, 
warmth, optimism that I think we need more of in the costuming community. So by all means, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, and are there any cool builds that you have coming up? Any Anything you're looking forward to in, in the future for the rest of this year? What do you got going on? I, I'm building right now a, a new helmet case for my new clone helmet because um, my other case was also kind of big, the helmet, when I found it. it was a kind of a drum case, and I'm making another one similar to my Stormtrooper one that's a little smaller and easy to transport. And I'm actually making two of them at once just because I thought, you know, it takes almost no more time to do it twice. <laughs> so I'm yeah. I'm building that, and that's the next thing, a tramp, transport case. Um, I'm excited for... Everything coming up, I feel like The Mandalorian is just peak Star Wars. It's hitting everything yeah. on all cylinders, and all these spin-off shows are just making me more and more excited. I can't wait to see Kenobi and explore that time yes. period. Um, so I, I think it's a thrilling time to be a Star Wars fan, and it's maybe the first thing I've ever gotten into that got popular. <laughs> and I, I'm glad that just more you know kids, adults... Husbands, wives, like cosplayers and just fans are getting to see more Star Wars everywhere they go. So, And 50 years of fans being able to connect with each other over something of common interest is truly... It's amazing. It's an incredible thing because think of many other pop culture references that there always is such a divide, whether it's like, oh, no one makes good music anymore. Or, you know, that was a great, you know, you don't, I can't, you know, kids can't watch any movies without incredible amounts of cgi in it but this has been a franchise that has existed uh since 1977 and it's getting new fans of it every day and i i agree i think it's it's such a cool time to be a fan and it's such a great time to be a nerd right now in yeah. general with everything right and it and, and it's accepted and other people are like that's cool i like that too so I, I i'm with you absolutely so colin where can people find you uh on the socials i know i want to definitely push people to uh your video pages so where can people find you it's uh mostly on instagram where i have the username odd viking and that comes from my kind of past i was a Norse reenactor named oddvar i get that question sometimes um so odd viking on instagram and uh, I just renamed my YouTube to that, but I'm, I'm not a big YouTuber. I'm just putting a few tutorials there to live. So uh, it's not a place. It's in my link tree if you look there. Um, and I tend to post on forums under some version of that name if it hasn't been taken. Um, but yeah, that's I, I post on Instagram my builds, my photo edits, um, and things that I'm doing like that. The builds always get a lot more interest because it seems like a thousand people are building armor on any given day. So I, and that's I, a great thing for us. I love it. Yeah, awesome. Well, Colin, thank you again for spending time with us and, and joining us on Armor Party. Will we see you at Celebration by chance? Yes, it's like the first time I've ever bought a ticket a year ahead for something that turned out to be three years ahead. <laughs> and I just That's rolled right. it over and I can't wait. I cannot wait to meet all these nerds that I've been talking with online for all this time and see the great costumes. I don't know what I'm going to bring, but you know, for me, it's just a five-hour drive so I can fill a van or a, <laughs> rent a U-Haul and bring it all. Well, I'll be I'll be flying and probably shipping some of the armor myself. So, you know, I'm 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 hoping that it all makes it there in one piece. But regardless, I'll definitely be in armor and I look forward to trooping with you. So Colin yeah. Adams, thank you again for being on Armor Party with us. Keep doing what you're doing. Any closing words? It's just an absolute pleasure and this you know, these kind of chats, like I've been listening to your Armor Party podcast while in the shop building. That's when I listen to it and it just feels like I'm in the shop 
pre-pandemic with a bunch of people talking about Star Wars and nerding about Greeblies and talking about glue and sandpaper, and I love it. So keep doing what you're doing. You're really inspiring me to to find more people like me. Well, you're you're among good community here with us nerds. So, Colin, thanks again. We look forward to following along with everything that you're making, and we'll see you at Celebration. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen.